When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West football or whatever. What are we we here, Matt? Mountain West Wire, MWR.com. Is that our website? I should know by now. That is correct. (laughs) I was looking at something like Mountain West football. Yes. Media Day recap is what we're doing. MWR.com. We had a bunch of Media Day stuff and there weren't, we were discussing moments before, Matt, that fireworks were at a minimum for this particular event. There was nothing to, uh, explosive or breaking news or anything out of the ordinary that's like ooh, that's interesting yeah i mean the, <laughs> nothing quite like uh what nick rolovich bringing a britney spears impersonator or something like that or as i recall my radio station we well, the get one guy i work with does the play-by-play or the yeah play-by-play for utah state football and basketball remember nick rolovich brought the uh the palm reader it's like uh, yes. whatever, whatever they were talking about how on air during the conversation with Nick Rolovich, he, the, the, I think the lady was re giving him tarot cards on the air and giving him his fortune <laughs> during <laughs> the interview with Nick Rolovich and the radio host. So none of that, but there was Craig Thompson gave some good information and we were going to get into Matt, as we discussed people wondering the mountain West uh, media poll and also the all conference, because there was, well, we'll get to it in a minute, but just real quick, they're not the all-conference. We put ours out about a week before, and you do a really good job about basically including every position possible. You have a flex position. We have centers, guard, line, tackles, DNs, D-linemen, linebackers. And did we do inside and outside linebackers again? I forget. Did you stick with yes, that? Yes, we did. So we go, you go pretty specific, plus the flex position, because there's a few teams like San Diego State that does a 4-2-5 New Mexico where there could be that – guy who's not necessarily a defensive end linebacker or safety they're kind of all three at once yeah i mean it's, it's basically like half the league at least because yeah. you know not just those two teams but uh you know uh wyoming tends to run a 425 mm-hmm. i believe hawaii is also running a 425 I, I can't remember who it was that mentioned it that uh, it was noted in the uh in the media guide that just came out there's um a- so yeah there's there's a few teams that run like five defensive backs in particular whether it's a 4-2 or a 3-3 up front mm-hmm and then that's why the, the what was it BJ Rains or Bronco was it Bronco Nation News? Is that now BNN? 
that yeah. Hank Bachmeyer was not, not that Hank Bachmeyer would be the first team quarterback because I don't think anybody would put him out there. Not that he could be at the end of the year. He probably has a talent to maybe get there, but you had to be teams nominate players. And he was not nominated, which why not nominate everybody? Colorado State nominated Clay Millen for a quarterback to Nevada transfer. What what do yeah, you think? That's, that's weird, right? It, it's weird, but it's also great. Why like the, the Boise State reasoning, what Rain said was basically to be nominated, nominated, you have to be some level of all conference year before first team down to honorable mention. And Hank Bachmeyer denied they was there Carson Strong. Of uh, Jay Kaner, and I think Logan Bonner. There's some sort of combination of honorable mention quarterback, but mm-hmm. why not nominate your best player regardless? What if you have a heralded tra- grad transfer that comes into Boise State is going to start day one at quarterback? Because they, they're isn't Jack Sears still on the team? Is he still there? No, no, he so, left in the transfer portal, and to the best of my knowledge, still hasn't found a destination. Ooh, ouch! But him, for example, he was a pretty highly regarded player from USC. Let's say he came in, was going to start right away. Why, and they knew he's going to start right away. Like Virginia Tech, the transfer Braxton Berksmeyer, I can never his name, to San Diego State. I'll get his name before the season start, people. Don't forget. That'll be good. But what if he were to go to Boise State and he knew he was going to be the day one starter? He was a grad transfer. He left just because coaching change, which hap- which could happen. And he's going to be your guy. And he's like, why would they not nominate him? I Do you have – is it – a pride thing you have to earn your way to get it because why not nominate players that are good on your team? I don't know. I, I, I mean, the whole process is weird. Like, I don't know why the conference wouldn't just, I don't know, do a Phil Steele type thing and be like, hey, who do you think is going to be your projected starting 11 on both sides yeah. of the ball? Who do you think your starting kicker is going to be? And then just lay out all of the options. Like, I, yeah, and- I, I was sort of, I was sort of struck by some of the conversation about our own all conference team from the week prior. And so I went in and I, and I sort of laid out exactly how little consensus there really is when it comes to like how we make our picks, because, you know, when on the surface, like even when you go four deep, it seems like, you know, I I think it's very easy from the outside in to get the impression that, um, that there's a lot of, like a lot of groupthink, I guess you might say. Um, and so one of the things that really struck me, which I, I laid it out in the thread, you can go back on to our, our Twitter account at MWC Wire if you want to, but it was the idea that there was basically only seven or eight guys and, and we had 15 voters total. So just to put this in perspective, but we had a, to- a grand total of, I think, seven or eight guys who received a minimum of 10 first place votes. So 10 out of 15, that's two thirds. Okay. So, like, there's a lot of variety of opinion in an exercise like this if you choose to embrace it. And I think it is true that the cream generally does rise to the top in most cases. Um, but with the process the conference has set up where they leave it to the programs to, to do the work themselves, like, this is where you end up getting things like, for instance, you, know, you, you mentioned Hank Bachmeyer that sort of came out of, about a week prior but then it also came out that, uh, according to the Coloradoans, uh, Kevin Lytle, that there was only one player nominated for the tight end position in the entire conference. And coincidentally enough, wait, wait, that wait, proved wait, to be wait. the I one guy. Wait. I miss it. They, the whole league, only one tight end was presented. So that person, yeah. 
from it was yeah, Colorado State. Yeah, Rams. He, yeah. he tweeted out it was on June, July nineteenth, so a couple couple days before media days. A quick word on them: funded debate, but lots of qualifiers needed. Media votes, but teams are responsible for nominations by position, and it leads to some weird stuff. At one yeah. position, only one player was nominated, and he put in parentheses: it will benefit Colorado State, considering that Tanner Arkin at tight end was the only Colorado State player named to the all-conference team like you have to figure that's the case and like why does that happen wait also it's not what it's not Dana- like there's a dirt it's not like there's a dearth of talent at the position in the conference like how is it that like i think it was like the very same day or the following day that the john Mackey award comes out for mm-hmm. you know the preseason watch list for the best tight end in the country which, yeah. mind you, is a is an award that was won by a Mountain West tight end last year, Trey McBride. Trey mm-hmm. That two guys from the Mountain West, neither of whom were Tanner Arkin, Mark Redman from San Diego State and Sam Olson from San Jose State, were in the eyes of you know presumably you know mostly objective outside observers, were good enough to be Those considered among the best tight ends the... in the country. Why is it that the programs are not putting these players forth? Also, I what don't if, understand it. What if Jay Norville or probably realistically the SID, what if they didn't put a tight end forward? There'd be no tight end. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if they're the only team that makes plausible sense, well, Gladwell said from the Colorado end, like that would there'd be no tight end on the list. They, well, and, basketball and it also doesn't, doesn't make right, sense though. because there are there are guys who could be pretty good this year at the position. Like, you yeah. know, Riley Smith at Boise State, Kyle Patterson coming back from injury at Air Force, Trayton Welch at Wyoming. Like, that's three guys right there. Other, you know, like I said, Redmond, Olsen, Trace Bruckler at uh, New Mexico. Like, why are none What's of these the guys getting the attention that they probably deserve, or at least the consideration that they might deserve? I don't understand that. Basketball doesn't have an official poll this way for all conference. The media just... I think Jeff Graham or the Albuquerque Journal kind of heads this, or he has in the past, where here's the media votes. It's not official. Like it's the the league itself doesn't do this for basketball, where they don't have an official, which is dumb in the first place. It all conference team. It's done by probably a, well, I think it's probably one or two per market or program, whatever. Probably eleven votes or something, just so it's evenly balanced. There's not like a skewed of for San Diego State or multiple mm-hmm. whatever school X year, but. but First, they only do one team, which is stupid in the first place. And nominations could be a thing. Maybe somebody forgot the deadline. Maybe they didn't realize, or there's there could be a, a there's a lot of reasons where we're not going to Boise State. We're not going to nominate because they didn't make an all conference last year. Okay, I get it. You want to set a high standard. Don't want to nominate anybody, but why not leave it up like what you do? You go through a painstakingly process of going through. By that the list of like the, the, the conference as a whole nominated one guy at tight end. I just That's went back stupid. to the Google form real quick. Do you know how many tight ends I had on our internal Google form? Maybe 20? 23. At least one per team, I for sure, and definitely more than that because I had to scroll left right pretty far. And yeah, like I put them in alphabetical order. So it's like, you know, we, I yeah. make sure to preserve I go through a lot of paints. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is why I it's it strikes me as just ours is better. Just saying. I it's, do think that ours is generally better. I mean, I don't know that, like, I don't always agree with the group's picks, but I think on the whole, silly, yeah. our group does a much better job than the conference allows the conference media to do. Because the offensive line is what a center and four linemen, so you could have four tackles technically. 
and and th- so the breakdown on this one it, right? so there's 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 one center there's three tackles and one guard that's not an offensive line <laughs> same thing with the with the defensive line there was actually five guys named on the defensive line and if uh if what i've seen of preseason depth charts is correct four there's of those guys are guys. set to be defensive ends the only one who yeah. isn't is scott matlock mm-hmm it's lazy. Uh, and, oh, and oh, by the way, the four defensive backs are all safeties. There were no quarterbacks selected. Yeah. It's like, that's not an all-conference team. How hard I mean, is it, it just to... doesn't. It just doesn't reflect the reality as well as it could. Could that be because, okay, here's another question why they do it. Here's a, because the my weird tight end question was, they maybe would have gone with a third wide receiver, which still would have been out of place. Could it be because, say, D-line and defensive back, People aren't nominating enough cornerbacks or enough defensive tackles or defensive end because Dom Peterson did not make this list. First team all conference. Spoiler: He's like a top five, top ten, or top fifty countdown coming up. Mm-hmm. He's up there. How does he not make the list? No, I'm not going player by player, but that could be a plausible reason, Matt. Where okay, we don't have any cornerbacks or very few cornerbacks, or the cornerback that nominates is not as we don't we think JL Skinner or Jarek Reed the second are better than these cornerbacks, even though they play safety. It could be it's all putting the writers in a tough spot. Like, who are we going to vote for? Are we going to vote for the best players or vote for the position? Because it, it probably just says defensive back, lineman, linebacker. And they take either three or four linebackers because there's 12 guys on this team one, two, three, four. Yeah, five linemen, three linebackers, and four DBs. That's obviously 12, which mm-hmm. there's a tie, probably defensive line somewhere. So I'm not blaming the people who vote for it. I'm blaming for the league how they construct the list, construct this team. They should yeah. all, all, also have two teams. And looking at this, at the, the list, let's just kind of get into it. Utah State had zero players on the list, mm-hmm. which defending champs, which people are like, well, maybe Logan Bonner. I'm like, well, Logan Bonner's good, but he's not freaking Jay Kaner. Like, like Jay Kaner is by, far and away the number one quarterback in the conference. I don't think it's all that close. Yeah. The, like, he was a shoe in number one. Jalen Copper was a shoe in. Um, running back, there could be some debate if you want Tyler Swan or some other guys in there, but you had Brad Roberts, Air Force, and Jordan Mims of Fresno, which fit in fine. You have uh offensive lineup. There's no complaint, like the talent that's on there is fine, but it's just the way you're not getting a true representation league. But at Utah State was Alfred. I think Alfred Edwards was one guy who should have been on the list as as the, possibly the one Utah State guy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. See, I think if I, had a, if I had a pick or if I had a vote, I probably would have given it to the same guy that I did with, with our own vote internally. And that would have been Stephen Cottonley, the punter. But th- yeah, that's too possibly, yeah. And then other than that, you know, I, I was looking back at, at our own four deep and the only two guys that were on the uh, on the, the second team, as far as the four deep were, were Bonner, who I don't think I would have voted for in front of Hayner, and Quazel White, the guard, who apparently is no longer on the team, <laughs> which came out during Oops. media days. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, in a case like that, one, again, you have to wonder how many Aggies were actually put forth onto the ballot. There's I think that, that probably has something to do with it. But also, I bet Alfred Edwards was put on there. Probably. But I, but I also it? think that, you know, you know, if Utah State, you know, hits their, what you might call their, what, their 90th, 98th, 90th percentile or whatever again this year, I think it is likely because what they do is sort of like a, a sum that is, greater than the whole of its parts kind of deal. Like at the end of the year, they might have like one or two guys in the all conference team, but they might have, you know, a number of other guys where when we get to our own exercise in November and December, that we've got a number of guys on like the second and third team. Cause it's, it's a team that, it, that has sort of like no weak links, even if they don't have like a ton of all conference guys littered on that. So I think it's, it could speak to both things. Well, Calvin, T- Calvin Tyler Jr. could be a first-team running back, possibly. I'll yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, it's not that they don't have guys, but it may also be that if they go out and win, like, 9, 10, 11 games again, that they do it with a number of guys who might be in that the, the, the tier of, like, good players, who, but, like, a ton of good players who aren't necessarily all conference-type players, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, Justin McGriff, leading receiver returning, because they had, obviously, Devin Tompkins – they had uh, what's over here? Brandon Bowling's longer on the team. Like these guys graduated, moved on. He was the fourth receiver. Mm-hmm. Maybe McGriff will come out and get seventy-five catches and mm-hmm. seven touchdowns. Or the transfer Cobbs from Maryland may come in because he was at Mike Lox's offense that slings around a lot. Maybe he comes in. I actually I think he, I put it in my top fifty near the end. But maybe he comes up. But I doubt he was nominated. Transfers kind of hard to unless you're for certain. But even if we're not talking nominated guys. Those guys guys are still McGriff. He's the next guy up, but. Is he going to have yeah, and, and to, to that point, you know, I think it's worth reminding. I just went back and I looked at the 2021 postseason all-conference team that the media put together. Mm-hmm. Utah State only had three guys on the first and second team combined. And that's sort yeah. of what I'm talking about, where, you know, if they do it, it is likely to be a group effort as opposed to one driven by like a like a small group of all-conference guys. I think it's it's a team that is that is that is probably built to take advantage of, of a wealth of good players and, and as, as well as depth on both sides of the ball. I guess that's what I'm saying overall. And I bring this to Utah State fans because they're grumpy about it and they blamed us when you put out the tweet like, hey, the Utah State guy's like, well, we didn't make this list. Also, what would you rather have? Like, my, You'd you rather your win, team? wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wouldn't you rather anyway. meet, re- repeat conference champs or say you go 10-2, you lose to say Alabama and Air Force or something, you're 10-2, and you maybe win the division or you whatever you you win ten games, not ten regular season games again. I would rather have that than oh complain about not having anybody in the Mountain West All Conference preseason team. 
So like, mm-hmm. give me a break. You can be bummed about it, but don't make it. Oh, nobody likes. Be like, be like Logan Bonner and use it as motivation. It's what he said. Logan Bonner's like I have motivation. Blake Anderson said we want to be the underdog, which takes us to the order of finish in the Mountain Division: Boise State, Air Force, Utah State were the top three. Um, Boise had 14 first place votes. Air Force 10, Utah State three. Healthy margin in between those two, those between those couple, but that makes sense. That's not out of the ordinary. I think I should look at my. I think I put Air Force under our individual vote, but that top three, it literally could be any of those three. I think Utah State's third, which is weird because here's the thing: they, I guess it's because they lose the receiving core and a couple guys in defense like Rice and uh, and a few other players on the second other side of the ball, but they're turning Calvin Tyler. They return the one of the top quarterbacks. They do need some receiver help, but they I'm not going to count them out winning the conference. Like I, I didn't predict it, but if Logan Bonner, if they, Matt, I think it's too Matt, year one to year two, Gary, excuse me, uh, Blake Anderson, what could this offense be? What could this team be for another full year of this system with the same quarterback again? The, I don't know. I mean, Air it Force, could be roughly the same, which would be awesome, right? It would. <laughs> it would be great, and then also. Okay, who voted? This is the media vote. Who put Colorado State as a first place vote? This is like the media voter Vanderbilt or an SEC who picked Vanderbilt to win the conference. Who's voting the Rams number one for the media in uh, Colorado and right, beat writers? Said, wasn't me, guys. So who would we suspect? You, you, you want to know who it was? Did they say who it was? No, no, no. But I can tell uh, you who it was. Ooh, what was it? Somebody who foresees a Utah uh, State type rise. Yeah, but. Which which would not have been my choice, but I mean we that's what ex, that's exactly what we said about Utah State this time last year. So I get that, yeah. It it would not have been my choice, but it isn't inconceivable. I guess that's what I'm saying. You're too kind. Here's what Utah State has. I mean, it's, it's, it makes more sense than voting for Vanderbilt. Let's put it that way. Oh, clearly by far. Point being, Utah State brought in a quarterback who actually played Division One football with the coach that came with them. Clay mm-hmm. Millen barely played with Nevada. So there's that. Well, here's the, here's the other thing, too. Compared to at least recent years, I went back and I compared the, the at least the point totals between this year, 2021, and then I couldn't find one for 2020. I think it's because they postponed media days for COVID. They did, uh, and they then 2019 as well. And the really interesting thing about this year is neither Boise nor Fresno is really seen as an overwhelming favorite. You know, for the Bulldogs had a 12-point advantage over San Diego State overall. Boise State has just a 15-point advantage over the Falcons. Uh, yeah. You know, when you compare that to 2021, um, you know, Bo- Boise State last year got 23 out of 25 first-place votes, and they were they had a I think it was 33-point difference between them and Wyoming, if my math is correct. Same thing, and I don't have the, the exact point totals for 2019, but in that year, you know, Boise State got 15 out of 21 first place votes over Utah State. Same thing with Fresno. They got 17. San Diego State had three. Nevada had one that year. So it's it's sort of fascinating in that it seems like the conference media is, I guess we might say, like holding their nose and picking both of those teams to win the division because it almost seems like with those five teams at the top six, if you want to San Jose state that they're expecting a fist fight and that there really yep. is no clear cut favorite in the same way that there might've been in years past. 
I am surprised Fresno State's not favored by more. But because San Diego State, new quarterback, the losers start, obviously, multiple quarterbacks are gone. Greg Bell's gone at running back. They do bring back Jesse Matthews, one of the best receivers. They bring in a transfer quarterback, which TBD. Defense will be fine with guys they have there. We know the defense will always be great, but I think if you look at who's the best players on these te- I know Jeff Tedford, it could be Jeff Tedford, uh, Jeff Tedford, sorry, returning as head coach. And so that's a little bit of a transition. It's not as, it's, it's more smooth than a typical new head coach like Norvell to CSU. That's, it's a little bit different than that because Tedford was there three years ago. He was the guy who brought them mm-hmm. from nothing after Tim Druder to conference title with, and got cards picked number 33 to the Raiders overall should have been a first round pick, but maybe that's why it's a bit closer. But when you look at the, the clear cut talent, my opinion, which most people agree is best player, best offensive player is Jake Hayner. Best wide receiver, I think, is Jalen Copper, and it's not, not not all that close. When you look at what when one team has those two, remember when David Carr throwing it to Keisha or Devontae Adams? Nobody could stop those guys. It's like or Derek Carr throwing to David Carr, but nobody could stop those guys. When you have that co- deadly combination, who's going to come up and stop them? They have a, a legit running back in Jordan Mims. I think the reason now it's are you talking about the 2013 team? Yeah, because you forget San Diego State almost knocked them off that year. They did. They needed a last-second field goal block if memory serves to to escape the Aztecs in that game. And guess what? They still won. I'm just saying it wasn't as clear cut as I just mean like that combination. I get it, but that combination, or even when you had Keyshawn Johnson there, he was catching everything his way. That's the point. Like the wins, yes, happens, but the combination of those type of talent. Nobody can touch that that passing combination. Maybe Utah State could with Cobbs or McGriff with Logan Bond or Hank Bachmeyer to um, – got two Cobbs, Stephen Cobbs, I guess, both Cobbs there, the Utah State and the Boise State guy. The, there's that combination there. Aztecs, Jesse Matthews catching passes won't be as dynamic but efficient. San Jose State maybe with Shavon Cordero and if he's throwing to what, Isaiah Hamilton or Elijah Cooks out there. Is that – that doesn't compare what Fresno State has. I think the new coach is what kind of maybe scared a few teams away or a few people away from voting, say, 24 votes to uh, 20. And it was 20 votes for Fresno, 28 for San Diego State. <clears throat> I don't know. I just – what they have here is basically Fresno State versus Boise State in the title game again. And that typically – I should we should look this up. Maybe it's a good post this week before the season really gets going to camp, is I know it's not very often that the – preseason champions from each division meet in the title game. It's not very often. Yeah. As far as I can tell, I'd have to look and say last year clearly wasn't. Because what was last year, Boise? What did you say? Boise State and uh, San Diego and Fresno State? Uh, you know year? what? I don't have that. In, I will have oh. one. I have the conference. We, last year, both we as a group at, at MWR.com and the conference meeting, we both picked Boise State and Nevada. Oh, Nevada. That's right. Yeah, Nevada. Duh. That makes sense. You had Nevada yeah. going really good. And it was neither of those teams. So that's yeah. And then, and then in twenty in twenty nineteen, it was Boise State and Fresno State. Okay. And who went? To, who went? To, sorry, who went to the title game that year? Do you recall? Uh, I believe it was, was that, that year, year. Boise State and Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. So hit or miss. So we'll look at that. And see, that's always a fun thing to look at. But any surprises besides the CSU first place vote out of all this, from the point total, perhaps, or order of finish on either side. I think it was sort of interesting to see the discrepancies further down in the standings. And, you know, I, I think one thing that I noticed is at least as far as the difference between our group vote and the conference media group vote 
is we, in our internal vote, had Wyoming and Colorado State flipped. That was a little surprising. Which is not to say that there was a huge difference between the two in our vote, but we had Wyoming and Colorado State fifth, and the conference media has it the other way around. So I'm curious what you make of that. The 30-point gap is more surprising than the spot. I think Jay Norvell's getting a lot of credit, which is deservedly so, but it might be a bit more than that's actually what's going to happen on the field. Because again, last year they were, I've mentioned this a million times, Colorado State was was super close to going to bowl game and keeping Steve Vidazio around for another year. So the talent's there. They lost Trey McBride, lost their quarterback, lost some talent here or there. Norville comes over with most of this team, most of the staff, so they expect instant results, which maybe? I'm not buying it. I'm, I'm not. I'm buying that they'll be competitive and probably throw a few teams off and get an extra win or two. I possibly I forget what my record I projected for them, but I don't think I'm going to a ball game or they're on the cusp of it. But I think the 90 to 60 point total in the media vote between CSU and Wyoming is shocking. I think Wyoming should be a bit better, but I think it's at worst it should have been closer in the point total. That's more surprising. The location, mildly surprising, like a, you know just a light jalapeno pepper. But the difference between these two, it's like whew, that's something's going on there for why that that difference is a bit too wide for my liking. And then the the other difference, minor difference, is at least the conference media seems to be a little more optimistic about UNLV than than we are as a group at MW Wire. For because and, and I wish I had looked this up. I wish there was an easier way to track something like this. But uh, I'm wondering when the last time the Rebels weren't picked to finish last in the West Division. I'll do that research when I do like the who who can win preseason to postseason champ. But it's mm-hmm. they're typically last, and I'm surprised. I'm surprised honestly. Nevada's ahead of UNLV as well. Nevada seems like they've gotten a little bit of helium lately, don't you think? From what though? Why? Because they brought in some interesting talents from the transfer portal. I think that drives most of it. Could be. I. I think they're going to be struggling this year, but I, I'd flip if I recall my vote. I think I'd UNLV ahead of Nevada, mm-hmm. but that's they're close. There's within eight points of the vote, so there's that. And San Jose State getting 100 points was a little shocking, but then it's not when you look at the rest of the West Division because Nevada, UNLV, and Hawaii are not going to be good at all this year. They're going to be UNLV has potential because how close they were in games last year, all those single possession games, single score games. They might have the most the, the, out of any team. Here's a fun game we could play. So Matt, what team do you think will finish much higher? I'm going to go UNLV to finish much higher than any team out of here. I guess I'd pick UNLV and Wyoming, who both finished fifth. They have the best potential to finish at least one, probably possibly two spots higher than their preseason projection. Well, um, I guess of that group, at least right now, and I think I don't think my thoughts have changed since we recorded that team preview podcast. I am. I'm, I think I'm most optimistic about Hawaii. Okay. Because I think even if they struggle to you know piece things together on defense, that the offense should be able to help them make waves and at least compete in most games in conference play this year. Yeah, offense will be fun to watch. I think with Timmy Chang calling the plays, running the offense, Brandon Schrager, possibly quarterback who's been there for a bit, and we know what they're going to do is sling the ball around and throw it a lot, which can cause for wacky late nights and beating a team who's just uh, one step slower the night when Hawaii throws it 64 times. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, any, anything else about the media poll, all conference team to get to, or should we move on to like Craig Thompson stuff a little bit? Yeah, we can do that. 
So, Matt, who are the six to 12 teams Craig Thompson wants who are calling him on the getting the speed dial to the Hare Thompson? Excellent question. So, he, because he, here's what he basically said six to 12 teams have interest with the, with the Mountain West. Is that the way he put it, correct? Yes. Do you think this includes any of the Pac-12 teams that he, that he said earlier on KOA in Colorado that these Pac-12, Pac-12 teams might have interest? Do you think any of those, particularly in my opinion, Washington State, Oregon, have they called Craig Thompson at all? Or do you think this is all FCS or Group of Five or Hoops Only teams? I think it is probably the latter. That's what I'm thinking. I think Craig knows that a couple of Pac-12 teams could need a landing spot, but I don't think they're calling – Especially now, maybe day one, they're thinking about it. But after everything kind of slowed down with no Oregon, Washington State, the Big Ten, like, okay, we might be able to keep this together. And they know they know they can call uh, Craig Thompson anytime. Like, hey, what's your thoughts on coming over? So what's a couple of teams you think that we're calling? I have a few in my mind. I want you to go first, and we'll kind of go back and forth. I mean, I have to imagine it's those teams that present the best fit geographically. So, like, the first two that come to mind, which – you know, in the minds of the average Mountain West fan, probably don't carry a lot of appeal, would be teams like, you know, New Mexico State and UTEP. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. What about you? Um, going back that, I would think Montana, Montana State, possibly, even though they've all, the last time around, they're like, we have no interest in moving up, partly because fan base is good, but not plentiful. So mm-hmm. I think those two teams, um, I think a handful of teams in Texas might be calling because. I know Rice is going to the American, so I don't know what they would rather do. Would rather be the American or come to the Mountain West? I can see teams like uh, North Texas, UTS, maybe UTSA with Jeff Trailer there wanting to move up a bit. Texas State possibly. I think those are some options there from like CUSA American type schools. Yeah. Who else you got? Well, it was, it was interesting only, that only it was interesting that schools. some when we posed this question in our internal group message on Twitter that some of our guys were thinking outside the box. They were thinking about like uh, basketball schools too, that don't necessarily play FBS or FCS football. Yeah, I could see we met like our buddy Larry, who does a lot of basketball stuff, the Mexico things. He mentioned, I think the West coast conference teams could be interesting because BYU is leaving the West coast conference to go to the big 12 next 2023. That dings the league a little bit because they're typically a top four team, if not better. Mm-hmm. And so could the Mountain West try again to get St. or not St. Mary's? Well, that's a team mentioned, but could they try to get Gonzaga to come to the Mountain West? Would they need to come to the Mountain West? Provingly, proving to be no, but it's too early to see how much losing BYU, who's typically a top like a Q1, Q2 team, or typically no worse than Q2, which is a pretty big mm-hmm. deal, how much that could impact as um, Aztecs, geez, sorry, Bulldogs. They've been number one seed the past couple of years. Would they care if they're number two seed? Probably not. It may not matter. They'd rather go 27 and three, be able to play Arizona, Duke, North Carolina, Texas, home and home. You know what I mean? Play or play San Diego state home and home, those type of teams who are really mm-hmm. good and not worry about it. But if they can lure them, then you could probably get St. Mary's San Francisco. There's grand Canyon university talk. Um, and think of it too. If you can bring in New Mexico state with basketball, grand Canyon basketball, St. Mary's Gonzaga, San Francisco, those are, Probably teams. I can see some basketball teams wanting to come in, but I don't know how much, how realistic that would be. Or Craig Thompson wants to have a wild, wide, wide, widely ranging sports teams because typically he's been football or nothing. 
yeah. essentially football, men's basketball, women's basketball, women's volleyball are typically what he wants, but most importantly, football to be members. Yeah, I mean, I have to think though that you know whatever conversations probably whatever conversations we're having probably cursory in nature rather than any serious explorations. Yeah, because he said we we're in a good spot. We don't need to do anything, which he's a hundred percent sure. We discussed in our UCLA USC podcast and moving the Mountain West. There's a little bit of with this brings us to our next conversation. A little bit of apprehension if the Pac-12 wants to add San Diego State because John Wilner of Mercury News like eh, they're the best fit. Them plus somebody else. So there's that option, but they don't, yeah, I'm pretty sure Craig Thompson is not going to turn the call down because if Gonzaga calls, sure, I'll listen. If San Diego, if, um, not San Diego State, but St. Mary's calls, yeah, Grand Canyon, New Mexico State, yeah, we'll listen mm-hmm. and see. I don't know who else out there. Maybe, I don't know if North Dakota State would want to call to come over. It's kind of far for them. I think the MAC would be a better fit, but Mountain West is a better league. It's just teams who are like, what do we do? I do wonder if teams like the new WAC football teams, because there's Utah Tech, which used to be uh, Dixie State. It's going to be FCS pretty soon. The WAC has um, said by the end of the decade, by 2030, or within a decade, or within 10 years, whatever they phrased it a year or so ago, they want to be another FBS conference out west, which would be Dixie yeah, like Sorry, Utah Tech. You have what? Uh, Sam Houston State. Because Stephen F. Austin's going to Conference USA, correct? I... I thought no, no. I thought it was Sam Houston State that was going. It's to one of the, Oh yeah, yeah. Sam Houston State. Yeah, sorry, it's SFA, Nacogdoches, Texas. They would be. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, they're staying there. So maybe that those schools are looking at. I'm. I know wax been weird. Like incarnate words going. I think going back to Southland, they're going to go to the WAC. Just go read yeah. Matt brought up extra points. He has you covered in all this. Yeah, stuff. I mean, but, right now it's right now it's five teams. There's Stephen F. Austin, Abilene yeah. Christian, Tarleton State, Southern Utah, and Utah Tech. Okay. Yeah, so maybe those schools, Southern Utah, Utah Tech, call out the Mountain West. Somebody half mentioned Utah Valley for basketball, which, to be honest, with Mark Madsen, former Lakers, their head coach, like they would fit in and be competitive, but wouldn't bring overall value, not a lot, but they'd bring competitive teams. Like they'd be middle of the pack, in my opinion, within the, within the Mountain West. But odds of odds of anybody being added, I'm going to say next to nothing. Yeah. Do you think a team's going to leave because Craig Thompson, were you shocked that he mentioned that there's actually a buyout clause now? Because years ago, he's like, if you want to go, just go. <laughs> I was a little surprised, actually. I was also very surprised at how hefty it was. Yeah, it's a uh, $16 million. $33 million? Yeah, 30, it's $16.5 million if it's 366 days or less, 365 days or less, or no, more, I should say. Basically, within a year, it's $33 million. And he mentioned mm-hmm. that in the radio show I work at. He joined the Utah State play-by-play guy interview and stuff where it's that much money where that would hold over the league a little bit here and there just because if it's – I don't here's the thing. It's paid over years, so it's not a huge deal they can negotiate. But that's a that's – a, that's more than American is charging to get out to go yeah. to other conferences as far as we know, at least publicly. But, you know, it's not lawyers and negotiations. You can change all that stuff down to lower it or pay it longer over time or something or – so there's those options, but I thought that was a good move because Craig Thompson before is like, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you. And now I'm glad he's changed his tune because it protects the rest of the members of the conference if a team leaves mm-hmm. because the money in the media deal is going to drop if you lose any school. New Mexico up to Boise State, you lose money. Yeah. So I have a, I have a scenario for you here. I just thought about this a few minutes ago. They talked about teams leaving, teams coming in. So would this ha- could this happen? 
because Craig Thompson's like, well, we're not going to add too many. We're not going to, he's just fielding calls. Like, okay, we'll listen. So we look at the Pac-12, and we just where this kind of goes in the long lines of media, and we're going to finish up here because not too much more to get to unless you have final thoughts. Would, if you were San Diego State, because they're the team that gets mentioned the most, Southern California team, they would partially replace Bruins, Trojans a little bit. The Mountain West media, or excuse me, the Pac-12 media deal is about 30-something million dollars. Let's assume it goes up a little bit just because media deals always go up, even losing those two schools. Would San Diego State jump that league because Oregon and Washington have talked about unequal revenue sharing possibilities, similar to what Boise has in the conference? If you're a San Diego State and, say, Fresno State or Boise, it's two Mountain West schools, would you go if you were to be promised $15 million per year to go into Pac-12, where every other school makes 30-plus million? Would you want to do that just to get to a better, a better league and make more money, but you're still massively disadvantaged against your conference mates? No, probably not. Probably not. Even I mean, for if I'm, if I'm making the jump, I'm making the jump to get paid. They would make four times their money, Matt. Four and a half million to 15, 16 million. No, I'd be, I'd be like that old head coach from what was it, North Carolina AT, after they pulled that upset a few years ago and he came in and he said, Bring me my money. <laughs> I don't remember that. That sounds awesome. No, you, I forget exactly who they'd be. But yeah, you, you go, you don't go. For, to set yourself up at a disadvantage for years to come, even if it means being in an objectively better situation than the one you were in before. That's my thought too. Cause even though it's a lot more money, but you're so far down against everybody else in your league, you're going to get trounced. Exactly. So, okay. I was just, just curious about that. Cause I, I saw that brought, brought up here and there. Like, well, what if PAC 12 could just screw the mountain West? Like, Hey, we'll give you three times your money four or five times your money, but you're making, 20, 30, 40% less than US or not USC anymore, but Cal, Stanford, and, and Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Just a thought exercise. I just never know because some people really, fans really want to leave up, leave the conference. They may think it's worth it. But I think overall, like they technically, theoretically could be better with that money, but it's, it's also a bad look because look, nobody likes Boise State gets more money. Nobody liked it when Texas was making more money for Longhorn Network. That's why Nebraska left the Big 12 years ago. So, mm-hmm. Is there any other media day stuff we missed that Craig Thompson said or didn't say? That uh... well, it's not it's not Craig Thompson specific, but one thing I was interested in getting your uh, your opinion on. Yes. What did you think of the conference media's picks for defensive player of the year? Oh, who were those again? I'm trying to. Um, I don't, so I... to, to recap, there there wasn't forgot. a ton it's of specific... difference between between how we voted as a group versus how the conference media voted. So in both cases, Jay Kaner. First State quarterback, Absolutely. offense player of the year. Uh, Jordan no Burke, San Diego State, uh, special teams player of the year. Mm-hmm. We picked JL Skinner. We did. And the conference Not media me. actually split their vote between two players. Patrick McMorris, San Diego State safety. Mm-hmm. And Cade Hall from San Jose State, defensive end. I think my vote was Cade Hall in our vote, our vote I believe. Now, see, here's my question. How much do, how much consideration do people give to the other guy who performed better than Cade Hall did on his own team last year, Viliami Fajoko? Apparently not enough. There, I wonder about those kinds of things. No, you should. This, this defensive, like looking at this defense, like what about Cade McDonald? Kyle Harmon of Sanders? 
uh, literally a half a dozen guys that can win the all-conference defensive player. As, as far as we know at this moment, there could be some random guy from Utah State that can come out of nowhere and be a, some amazing player or some transfer. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it wasn't my vote, but I could like I give me I could make the case for again Fahoko, Cade Hall, Kade McDonald, Kyle Harmon, JL Skinner, Patrick McMorris. You can make the case for any of those guys. Mountain West is loaded with defensive players, so I'm fine with it. There's so many guys to go through. Plus, again, who is nominated? Is there a nomination process for player of the year as well? I don't know if that's the case. Who's presented forward? So that's for that for me. Anytime I see his list now, I'm like, so who is really put forward for me to choose from? Maybe one of these days, Matt, we need to, I think to get a vote, we have to be in Vegas. So maybe one of these days we'll go to Vegas and see the sheet and say, oh, here's who's nominated. Cause I don't know if they, I never, I never see that list posted. Maybe they say, do not share this list possibly. And who knows if that's the case, but what, what are your thoughts? Do you think that's a, a good way to split the vote? Those two players, or would you go in with uh, someone else? Cause I know you're a big Fahoko fan. I mean, if it, if it were me, I would not have voted for Hall. I can tell you that much. No, not Kate Hall. No, like I said, he no. wasn't even the best defender on his own team last year. Yeah, but he was defensive player. I mean, he, he was ago, good, but he was not the best on his own team. Okay, I think he's going to come back to what he did during 2020. So that's why I kind of lean toward him. But I do think that McMorris was an inspired choice. You think so? Yeah, I mean, he did a little bit of everything last year. Mainly sure, tackles. Was he a flex guy? Two first... and a half tackles for loss. Was he our flex guy for our, our first? Uh, time, yes, he was. Okay, because I remember that. So yeah, no, he, him, that gives him a special advantage because he's kind of hybrid linebacker, defensive back, and so that can lead to, like you mentioned, all those. He may not have say eight twenty-two. Well, sorry, I was gonna say twenty-two sacks, like twenty TFLs and ten sacks, but he may have four pass breakups, two interceptions, eight TFLs, four sacks, and like one hundred ten tackles. Just yeah. something crazy where. He, I know 110 tackles is amazing, but he may have enough stats where a forced fumble, fumble recovery, a handful of big defensive plays where not he's not a standout in sacking the quarterback or getting to the backfield, but he's above average in every single category because there's not many players who could be top 15 or top 10 in tackles, TFL, sacks, pass breakups, INTs. And that's a he has, I think he has the most potential to make the most plays out of any player because let's look at Don Peterson, who's not even on this list. He's a potential defensive player of the year if things go right for him, but he's defense lineman. That's kind of hard to get that position unless he's just utterly amazing at getting to the quarterback mm-hmm. or stuff in the handoff at line scrimmage. But I, I'm I'm fine with it. It's, I'm not going to get mad about anything or my thought. My I just want, I would just go in a different direction. That's all I'm saying. But those yeah. players who were co-defensive preseason player of the year, well-deserved as well. I would not be surprised if I, either of those get it. Those guys get it, so. Well, yeah, that was pretty much all I wanted to ask then. Okay. Offense is clear-cut, right, Jay Kaner? Could you make the case for anybody else being preseason offensive player of the year? I mean, if you wanted to, you could probably make a case for Bonner. Because it okay. wasn't like, you know, when you go back and look at last year's statistics, it wasn't like Hainer had a clean sweep of leading every single category among returning quarterbacks. You know, Bonner had more touchdowns last year. Uh, I believe, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he had a better overall grade as well. Um, I think they had a roughly similar interception rate. I can't recall off the top of my head. I don't have that math in front of me. 
But yeah, I think if you wanted to, you could build a reasonably solid case for Bonner. I think beyond that, it might get a little dicey. And I think that's mostly because most of the guys who, um, maybe with the exception of Brad Roberts, I think he might be the third guy that you can make a solid case for. Um, maybe Jordan Mims. Beyond those three, it maybe, gets a little bit uh, hit or miss, I think, as far as building cases are concerned. I agree with you with Robert, definitely. I, I'll toss in Mims because if he does what um, – oh, shoot. Um, Ronnie Rivers did catch the ball a lot. That would pad his numbers a bit or just give him more opportunities to make plays. But he's like a distant fourth out of any of those guys. And I guess mm-hmm. I think, and then we could throw Hank Bachmeyer in there too if he rebounds and is protected from his offensive line, maybe. But maybe. I wouldn't put it. I would. I'd put him in the same category as Jordan Mims as the guys who would need to kind of overachieve from what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. All right, we're wrapping up here. We're starting. We're recording and post. Well, posting this, which should be today. We're recording at the moment, July twenty fourth. We are a month and what. Three days from the season starting, four days, something like that. Close. Give or take. We have our top 50 countdown proceeding July 25th. And we're starting, Matt, how are we starting that? We started the honorable mention and then doing a couple a day, and then we're going to one player a day going forward. Um, that depends entirely on how long I need to play catch up for. I've got a, I've got a lot of articles ahead of me. Just to uh, make them short blurbs. It's a, not a big deal. You don't need to be super extensive. Oh, I know that. Okay, I'm just, I'm just curious. Okay, but we're starting that Monday. That's what we're getting at. So check out. Mm-hmm. It's on our front page. We have the MW Top 50 tab on our homepage, mwy.com. And I may I might do a fun quick post about here's been the top top person. Because we, we've been doing this for what, five years. I think the info you have, because this stuff at College Football News for some reason got uh, wiped. I don't know what Pete was doing over there. Maybe we should have word with him. Say go to the archives and figure it out. But we have at least, what, four years worth on mwy.com? Well, if you go back to the old site, we've been doing this for nearly a decade now. Oh, that's true. The old site we don't talk about, but we'll see. But you have, we have, <laughs> sorry, we have, at least in your document sounds, we have at least the past couple of years MWR. So maybe we'll do a, here's who wanted the past couple of years just to get everybody ready for Sunday night, Monday morning. So check that out. Seasons come together. We're going to do some, we have our team previews. We have four left. And I believe... Is it too early? To, is it too soon to call who our, who our league leader is right now at the moment on the poll that's crushing everybody for our, to announce this uh, podcast? No, I mean the poll is wrapping some, up soon. It, the, the, the next one is going to be Boise State, and, okay. and if memory serves, unless something has changed, uh, we just ran one more poll to determine the final four. Uh, so Boise State will be next, uh, and then I believe UNLV is after that. Uh, and I haven't looked recently. But so are we going into be... order from that poll? That's what we're doing? Yes. Yeah, hey, I got it right here. So at the moment, there's one hour left in the poll, so it'll be well closed by the time you hear this. So if we do an order of what you're saying, so Boise State, 49% of the vote, UNLV, six, or 20%, San Jose State, 16 they'll wrap up with New Mexico of 15% of the vote at the moment. So there unless New Mexico, could be some slight changes after Boise, but it's going to be Boise State, which we'll be recording sooner than later. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so appreciate everybody listening. Mountain West recap, Mountain West Media Day. Nothing, again, nothing too crazy news-wise. No schools said anything crazy outside of Utah State, like shaking their fist that we're the defending champs. Nobody likes us. There's that. Uh, the weird controversy of the who gets nominated process, which is weird. But uh, check us out at mwr.com for a top 50 countdown. We'll do some more previews and a few fun stuff going forward before the season gets here. 
They're not. Whew, it'll be here sooner than later. So, all right, folks, we'll see you next time.